Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are so many great things going on at Collective right now, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. So last week was for Frederick Week, a week of serving uh, in our community that ended with a grocery store buyout where we purchased groceries and hygiene products for food pantries all over Frederick. And I'm assuming that many of you are dying to know if we hit our goals, right? All right, well, you're gonna have to wait a second because I got another announcement first, sorry. Uh, (laughs) You know, the news post on Sunday was like, tell us the total, and we're like, no. You don't get to know the total before Collective gets to know the total. You don't get to know the total before I give this announcement really quickly. So earlier this summer, I announced that in the summer of 2024, that I will be taking a group of people um, to Israel to walk where Jesus walked, to see these incredibly historic sites that are so important for our faith. And I just want to remind everybody that next Sunday, uh, we're going to have an informational meeting about this. And so if you're somebody who's interested in learning more about this trip, um, I want you to sign up for the meeting next week. You have a chance to like write down your questions ahead of time. Um, you can do that through the Church Center app that Danielle talked about earlier. Download that, hit coming up. Uh, and right there, there'll be a, hey, sign up for this meeting. Also, you can just head to the next steps after service. If you ever have any questions or need help getting plugged into anything, just walk out to the next steps and they'll help you get hooked up there. Now, if you sign up for the meeting, you're not committing to going, but the thing is, it takes about a year for us to get on this trip. And so if you wanna learn more, you have questions, let me answer all of them, right? Uh, Don't come and ask me the questions today after service. Just come to the meeting next week after second service here in the auditorium. And so if you wanna learn more, make sure to be there. All right, the thing that you really want, let's talk about For Frederick Week. So going into this week, typically what we always do is we set some really big goals and we set some really, really big goals. So I wanna know, how do you all think we did? Good, middle, yeah, okay. All right, so starting with hours served, the goal was, our hope was to serve 500 total hours through that week. Um, But last week, over 200 people served a combined 740 hours. And this doesn't include any of the time that you all spent grocery shopping at the buyout. Uh, And what's really cool is if you break this down, this means that you all served 30 full 24-hour days in just nine service projects in one week. Now let's talk about hygiene products. This year we added hygiene and baby products to our shopping list uh, at the grocery store buyout so that we could support more organizations in our community. Ultimately, uh, you guys bought so much food last year. We're like, we can't go higher in food. Let's add hygiene products to this. So our goal was to purchase 5,000 items, but you all beat that goal and bought 5,280 hygiene items. And I think my favorite detail about this is that you all purchased 223 packages of diapers and 795 packages of wipes, which uh, counts for over 10,000 individual diapers and over 60,000 individual wipes. And a really funny story about this, uh, Karen at Pregnancy Center, who's a new partner with us with the grocery store buyout, they showed up last week and they pull into their spot and they've got like a small CRV with them. (laughs) It was about 8.30 and we were like, hey, this isn't gonna work. You're gonna have to take multiple trips. And they did. And halfway through the morning, you all bought so many diapers and so many wipes and so much formula. They were calling other people who work there to come and receive all of these things, filling up their cars and heading back to Karenat. Last but not least, groceries. 
All right, so our goal this year was 15,000 pounds of groceries, a very reasonable goal. Um, but you all purchased and donated 22,900 pounds of groceries. The, this number, like all the numbers are incredible. This one is insane because this means you guys bought more groceries than you did last year on top of 5,000 plus hygiene items. Um, this also means in the history of our church, in just under six years, we've donated over 120,000 pounds of groceries to local organizations. So you can clap for that. That's really, that's amazing. And, and per usual, you all crushed it. Uh, and I will say that this year, I did believe that we'd hit our goals. I just didn't think you'd buy a record amount of food this year. Um, but overall, you, you all just continue to amaze me when it comes to your servant-heartedness and your generosity um, and your desire to, to show up for this city and show Frederick what Jesus truly is all about. Uh, and, and what's really cool, the cherry on top of all of this is just a few days after For Frederick Week uh, came to a close, the News Post reached out to us. They posted that really cool article about us, but they reached out to us again to let us know that, that Collective was nominated for a second year in a row as one of the best community-oriented organizations and the best nonprofits in Frederick, back-to-back -back years. And so one of the things I wanna challenge you guys to do is I wanna challenge you to vote. Uh, I wanna challenge you over the next few days. Voting ends on August 22nd to get out of like the big group and into the top five. Last year, we made it into the top five. In fact, last year, we made it into the top three. We didn't win. Um, I do need y'all to know if we don't win this year, I'm, I'm closing this church down. So uh, I, I'm just too competitive to lose. So uh, vote, you can vote every single day. Here's what I do, true story. I have multiple email addresses. I vote with all of them, okay? I wanna win this thing. So do that, uh, voting ends August 22nd. We'll find out if we make uh, the top five when voting comes in the fall. And to make this easy for you, if you have the app, hit on coming up, it's a link at the top. Um, or if you follow us on Instagram, just click link in bio and, and it'll bring you to an opportunity to vote. Uh, and I said this a few weeks ago, but I wanna say it again. You know, the reason why all this matters, why we tr served over 700 hours, why uh, we purchased 22,000 pounds of food, 5,200 hygiene products, why being nominated for best of Frederick in these categories matters is because this gives us more opportunities to share Jesus with our community. Because the thing is, we want every single person in this area and the surrounding area to experience God's grace and endless second chances. And these things give us an opportunity to show that, to, to talk about that, to invite people to experience those things. Now, before getting into today's teaching, though, I wanna share one more thing. There's a Bible verse uh, that says this, Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. You know, and as people, and to be honest, as a church, we're really good at telling God what we need. But oftentimes we struggle to thank him for what he has done. And a few weeks ago, we prayed that God would do immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine with 4th Frederick Week and the grocery store buyout, and he did that. And so what I wanna do before we get into the message today is I wanna take a few moments to thank God for what he has done. I wanna thank God for the opportunities that he gave us last week to serve our city. Uh, for the beautiful weather, weather and the tornado that didn't wreck us on Monday. Uh, I wanna thank God for the opportunity that we had to impact lives. And we might not even see it, we might not even know it right now or, or, or in the future, but we know that lives will be impacted. I wanna take time to thank God for the grace that he offers us and that we get to extend to others. And so, so pray with me as we thank God this morning. God, um, you are constantly blowing us away. And to be honest, God, I, I think a lot of this is, is renewing this faith we have in the church, this faith we have 
in you as, as we see you do more than what we could ask or imagine. God, as, as we see how you work through this group of people um, and the impact that that has, God, as we, we get out of this week of Fort Frederick week, as we um, celebrate these totals, God, God, what we're really thankful for is thousands and thousands of opportunities for people to hear about you. God, whether that be through showing up and seeing a packed out grocery store or uh, an invitation card or an article in the news post. Um, God, we pray that these things change people's lives in the same way that you've changed ours. And so God, we're thankful for that. Um, but God, like always, we just ask for more. God, you've done immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, and we want more of that. So God, we pray that you continue to push us, challenge us, give us opportunities to serve and grow and trust you, um, God, because we know that the best is yet to come. We thank you and love you and pray these things in your name. Amen. So today we're kicking off a new sermon series called Find Your Crew. And this sermon series is all about experiencing community the way that God designed it. And if you are someone who takes notes, here's the first thing I want you to write down, because this is the core truth for this entire series. We are designed to be in community. People are designed to have real and honest and life-giving friendships with other people. And this isn't a word we use often when it comes to friendships, but I'm going to use it anyways. We are created by God to have intimate friendships with other people. And most of the time when we hear the word intimacy, when we think about this word, we, we just think about sex. But intimacy isn't actually about sex. It's about an emotional closeness. I once heard someone say that intimacy can be broken down like this. It's the idea of into me see. It's, it's the idea that you know someone so well that they see what's behind the walls and beyond the exterior. They know your story. They see who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And God has designed us to have these types of relationships. And this is true for everyone. Right? This is true for extroverts. Whether you like it or not, it's true for introverts as well. This is innately in us, a longing that we have. Check this out. If you look to page one of the Bible and read the Genesis account of creation, you notice something interesting. God's creating the universe, and he kind of takes a step back, and he calls everything good. And then he creates man and woman, and he says it's very good. But he flipped a page to Genesis chapter two. He actually calls something not good. It says, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So think about this with me. The original problem in the garden, really the first problem in the world isn't sin, it's loneliness. And God looks down and he says that something isn't right here. And it's the fact that Adam is solo and so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how we need community, but not just a broad community to be a part of. We need close and intimate friendships. Now, now some of you have these friendships right now, and so this series will be an encouragement. And really, it would be a challenge for you to go deeper in those relationships. But some of you, if you kind of look at your life, you realize you don't really have those relationships yet, or maybe you don't have those anymore. And this series is going to help you take the right steps to find those types of people. And today what we're going to do is we're going to start by looking at how Jesus structured his friendships. Because if we want to follow anyone's lead, we want to follow his lead. And in a few moments, I'm going to show you an illustration. This is going to be something that we reference throughout this series. And so I encourage you to take note of this. We're going to start in Luke 6. This is what it says in verse 12. 
One day, soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be his apostles. And so what this story is telling us is that he's got this big group of people with him, right? We call those his disciples. Another word for disciple is a learner. Uh, It's a follower. But he takes this whole large group of people, and he actually selects just 12 of them to, to be people that are called his apostles, Let me talk about this word apostle for a moment because it gets thrown around a lot in the church nowadays. But apostle uh, was a really unique role in the early church. In in the early church, one of the main qualifications of being an apostle was that you would see the risen Jesus. So when you're reading the Bible and it calls somebody the apostle Paul, what it's saying is that he saw the resurrection, right? And, And so today we don't have apostles anymore. And that, that might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable depending on what church you grew up in. But part of the requirements to be an apostle was following Jesus, but also seeing the death, burial, and resurrection. And Jesus chose these 12 guys saying, you're going to see something really great later on. And when we read this story, though, it kind of feels like Jesus goes high school dodgeball on these people, doesn't it? Right? He has this whole group of people. They're all following him. And he circles them up, and he goes through the crowd. And he's like, you, 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 you're cool. Not you. Definitely not you. I'll take John. Nope, the other John. Nope, the other John. Not you, you, you. Let's go. But here's really what he's showing us. Jesus was very intentional about his relationships and the people who were closest to him. This is why in verse 12, before he picks his apostles, it says that he prays all night about making this decision. He knows that the selection of these apostles is so important that he spends all night praying to God to get it right. It was a really big deal to have the inner circle. I recently found out uh, that my daughter's, at my daughter's school, you can't hand out birthday invitations unless you invite everyone in the class. And I understand the sentiment behind this, uh, but I'm not sure even Jesus would do it this way. Because the truth is, not every single person in that larger group is on the same level. And that is okay. And honestly, in my personal opinion is, it, is that the idea that we're teaching kids that you invite everyone or no one at all, that all of the friendships you have are equal, that every friend in your life is the same, I don't think that's healthy because Jesus was very intentional about his relationships. And because of that, different people had different access and closeness to him. And that's because different people had different impacts on his life, and that is okay. And so I wanna show you how Jesus did relationships. And I've used this illustration before. In fact, last fall, we did a series called My Dysfunctional Family. And I talked about this idea that we have these circles of relationships. And on one Sunday, I talked about how part of the problem we have with our family is we place our family in the wrong circles and that creates tension in our lives. But coming out of that sermon, you all responded so strong to that illustration that I decided to create this whole series around this idea and help us understand how these circles impact our friendships. And so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna walk you through this. Um, And if you've seen this before, I encourage you to write it down again because this is a different way to think about it. It's a different season of your life. Uh, But here's what's true about Jesus. Jesus has an outer circle that we'll call his crowd. Based on the story that we just read, this was made up of that group that are known as the disciples. And truth is, we don't know how many people were there. There could have been hundreds or or maybe a couple dozen. What we do know is that it was a pretty large group, which is why it's this crowd. Within that crowd, Jesus has his 12 apostles, which we're going to call his community. These are people that Jesus spent a lot of his time with. 
Right? For you, this is the sports team that you're on. These are the families in your neighborhood that you kind of hang out with from time to time. Um, if you're in a group here at Collective, if you're on the team here at Collective, that would be your community. Right? These are people that you're close to. You know their names. You spend uh, a good amount of time together. You tend to have similar hobbies or you're in similar stages of life. You have similar values. The community is a group of people that you would say are your friends. And when it comes to friendships, most people stop right here. They stop in this circle because the people in it are close enough to know some of their story, but not close enough to where you actually have to be honest and vulnerable with them. And many people will try to live their life in this circle because it's safe. This is a safe circle to have friendships in. But one thing that Jesus understands and that we also need to understand is that in order to experience the community that God has designed for us, we have to go even further than that. And we see this just a few chapters later in the book of Luke. Uh, So Jesus has his crowd. He has his community. Then in Luke 8, he's asked by a man named Jairus to come to his house because his daughter is sick. And so as Jesus and his apostles are on the way, he gets word that he's actually too late because the little girl has died. Now, even though the young girl has passed, Jesus and his apostles still head to Jairus' house. And this is what happens in, in Luke 8, 51. It says, when they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, as well as the little girl's father and mother. And so what Jesus does is he actually tells the other nine apostles, his community, that you need to stay outside. And he takes just Peter, John, and James inside with him. What's amazing is while inside, he raises the girl from the dead. It's it's an incredible miracle. But as you continue to read through the story of Jesus, you see that this is a pattern in his life. Jesus has this pattern where he picks just Peter, James, and John to be with him in some really big moments. Moments like raising Jairus' daughter from the dead that we just read about. There's another moment that's called the transfiguration where Jesus takes these three guys and they go up onto a mountain and they actually are in the presence of God. They're in the presence of God. They they see the old prophets of Moses and Elijah together. There's another moment in the Garden of Gethsemane right before Jesus is arrested. He has all of his apostles with him, but he grabs just Peter, James, and John to go with him aside and to pray. And so looking at these circles again, Jesus has his crowd. He has his community, but inside of this community, he has another circle that we call his crew, Your crew crew are the people who know you inside and out. These are the people who you do life with. In fact, in the garden during that time when Jesus is praying, he says out loud that my soul is crushed. Your crew are the people that you text or you call when your soul is crushed. The people that you are real and vulnerable with, they know your insecurities and your fears. They know your past. They, They really know the depths of your story. But in spite of that, they love you. They encourage you. They sit with you in the storms. They pick you up when you fall. They breathe life into things that matter to you and into your faith and your children, your marriage, all of it. So looking at these circles, let me ask you, do you have a crew? Do you have a tight group of people that you do life with, that you trust with your brokenness and your messiness, that you can count on when your soul is crushed, that notices when something's off, and not because you told them something was off, but because they intimately know you, and even though you don't say anything, they can feel it, they can sense it. Do you have people that you can be real about your brokenness with your struggles, your doubts, your fears, what's going on in your life or your marriage or your career? Or 
Have you put up a wall to stop people from moving into that inner circle? Have you refused to grow closer to others because you have a fear of rejection? Have you let insecurity stop you from stepping, getting people and gathering people out of this crowd and out of that community and into this crew? Because we can't just stop at a community. That's good, but we need a crew. Going back to Jesus, one of the things that we see in this is that Jesus loved everyone, but that doesn't mean everyone always got access to him. Jesus came to serve everyone, but he didn't do it all one-on-one. Jesus came to change the world, but he did that by pouring into a few. He had really good boundaries, and he didn't stretch himself thin. And so that big group, the crowd got the most visibility, the community got the most time, but his crew got the most intimacy. Now, there's no command in the Bible that says that we need to do friendships the way that Jesus did. But I just happen to think that uh, if he is the son of God, he probably knows how to do relationships better than we do. We should probably model our friendships after him. I once heard a comedian say that the greatest miracle of Jesus was that he had 12 best friends in his 30s and they weren't his wife's best friend's husbands. (laughs) He was really good at having healthy friendships. Here's what's interesting though. Uh, There's now data that backs up the way that Jesus lived his life. There's an Oxford anthropologist named Robin Dunbar, and he wanted to see how many relationships that people are capable of having. And he found that people as a whole are capable of having about 1,500 people that they recognize and about 500 acquaintances, right? And these people, they're not friends. They're just kind of people that you know of, right? Maybe these are the people that you grew up with, but you haven't talked to in 15 or 20 years, right? These are the people you work in the same company. You know, if you're a teacher, it's like, I know that person's a teacher, but you don't know their name. You don't know what they teach. You don't know really anything about them. Really, I think the 1,500 and the 500, it's your Facebook friends, right? We, we, we call them friends, and that's incredibly misleading. Uh, they're Facebook people that we recognize sometimes. Uh, I always challenge people, your, your judge of this should be when you see a picture on Facebook and you can't figure out what person you know in that picture, you should probably unfriend that person right? Because that, that's the 1,500. But what Dunbar found is that uh, outside of kind of those larger groups that we essentially have these three circles. And, and people can come in and out of these circles, but the idea is as people move in and out of these layers, someone else has to move in and out of these layers. There are limits to these circles. And Dunbar found that in the first circle of the crowd that there can be about 150 people. Right? Again, these are people that you know them, you know a little bit about them. Uh, you know, it, it's this room. It's this room right here. And then your inner circle of the community, Jesus had 12, but in research they found that you could probably have up to 50 people. That's extroverts. <laughs> Introverts are like, can I do less than 12? Probably. But then for your crew, Jesus had three, but research says you can have about three to five. And to be relationally healthy, Scientists, psychologists, sociologists have found that you have to have these three circles. But the most important one is a crew. We need to be intentional about these three to five people that we do life with because the people we are closest to have the biggest impact on us. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And the thing is, some people have dull faith. Some people have a dull view of themselves. Some people have a dull marriage, and that's because they have dull friends. And I know that sounds harsh, but it's not, and you know it. 
Author Jim Rohn once said that we're the average of the five people we spend the most time with, right? So you're the average of your crew. So the question is, is that a good thing for you? Do you want to be like the five people that you spend the majority of your time with? Do you want your faith to look like theirs? Do you want your marriage to look like theirs? Do you want your self-control and your hope and your joy and your peace to look like theirs? Pastor Craig Rossell says it like this, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Parents, let me talk to you for a second. Uh, you know, you know this is true because you had some really dumb friends growing up, didn't you? Yeah. And because you had these dumb friend, friends, you ran into this brick wall and you saw the impact of those dumb friends on your life. But the thing is, if you know this is true and you aren't making sure that your kids are hanging out with the right people, what are you doing? Because I can bet there are some parents of teenagers in this room who know their kids shouldn't be hanging out with that one friend, but they're letting them do it anyways because they don't want to be mean or strict or controlling or uncool. But parents, you know how this is going to end up. If your kids are living under your roof, you have the responsibility of speaking into the people they're spending the majority of their time with. Don't, don't be passive about this because you know their friends will dictate their future. Five years later, you can't go, I didn't see this coming, okay? You saw it in your own life, you see it in theirs. Students, let me talk to you for a second. I'm so sorry that you have to head back to school next week. It sucks. Uh, I wish summer could be longer for you. But the thing is, some of you are gonna head back to school next week, and you know this, you need to find new friends. You do. And you know you do, and you've kind of felt this all summer, and you hope that maybe you wouldn't end up in the same class with them, so you don't have to be friends with them anymore, but guess what? They're gonna sit right next to you. But what you know and understand is that the people that you are spending your time with are pushing you away from who you wanna be. They're pushing you toward things like drugs and alcohol. They're influencing you uh, into treating people poorly. They're tearing you down instead of building you up. And so students, I promise you, and this room, the adults in this room would echo this, you will never regret walking away from those friendships right now before they lead to destruction. Your friends dictate how you live your life. And I mentioned earlier, the Oxford study about the number of friends that we can have. There's actually another study about these circles. Uh, someone saw this and they're like, this is great information, but how does this exist? How do we create this? And so uh, Jeffrey Hall from the University of Kansas wanted to figure out if people could move in and out of these circles. Right? Like how do we get people in and out of these places? And what he found is that the circles of our friendships are based on one thing, time that there's a direct correlation between time spent with someone and where they will land. For example, if you want someone to move from kind of that acquaintance to crowd, it takes 50 hours with them. And after you spend that time with them, you, you typically get to a place where they're in that like 150 for you. Now, if you want someone to be a part of your community, it typically takes 90 hours with them, right, before you feel like they're actually a friend. And the biggest one of all is crew. It takes 200 hours with someone before they reach this level of friendship. 200 hours. It just takes time. So write this down. The time I spend with people determines who is in my crew. Your crew is not determined by who sends you the dopest memes. Okay, Have friends that do that, but that does not mean they're in your crew. To be honest, it's not even determined by who you say is in that inner circle. It's based on how much time you spend with someone. And if you think about this, this makes sense. 
Because if you were on a team for a season, you spent about 90 hours with those people and you realize by the end of it, you felt like a pretty strong community. Or, or maybe you had roommates for a few years and you definitely spent over 200 hours eating meals with them and watching movies with them. And because of that, they were your crew. And the reason you feel close to people is because you put in the time together. Like time is how we build healthy relationships. And this does make me wonder though, how many of us have complained about not having community or not having that close circle of people, but the truth is we didn't really put in the time. A few years ago, uh, someone met with one of my staff members for coffee uh, and she said she didn't feel like she had community here at Collective. And so my staff member asked her, you know, are you in a small group? And she said, no. And then my staff member asked her, well, are you, are you, are you on a team? Are you serving alongside others? And again, she said, no. And then my staff member said, well, you're right. You don't really have community here because you have chosen not to. And that sounds tough, but the thing is, if you want to feel like you have community, if you want to develop a crew, it takes time. And at Collective, we desperately want you to have these things, but that can only happen if you get connected. Right? All, all we can do, all, all I can do, and my staff and my leaders can do is create space for this to happen. But we cannot force you to find community here. And so putting this as bluntly as I can, you will not find community here or in any church if you show up for just one hour a week a handful of times a year. It just doesn't work that way because it takes time. And, and so listen, uh, if you are looking for community, right, right, if you are here and that is what you are longing for, if you understand that you need a crew but you don't know where to start, like I said, we, we wanna help with that. And there are two main ways that you can do that at Collective. You can join a small group or you can join the team. And you can do that by checking the boxes on your connection card. You can head to next steps after service to get connected. But these are the ways you move from the crowd to the community here. And the reason why we're doing this series right now is because this is a great time to join a group because they're kicking off in just a few weeks. This fall, we will have 10 groups meeting during the week all over Frederick. And these groups, what they do is they get together, they hang out, some of them do meals together, and they'll read the main Bible verses from the previous Sunday, right? So you don't have to leave this place with questions. You get to bring them to your group. You read them again, and you get to dig deeper in your community. If you're a student, we want to encourage you to join Youth Collective. It meets on Wednesday nights here at the building. Youth Collective is a place for middle schoolers and high schoolers where they come together, they hang out, they eat food, they play games, and they talk about God and faith. Students, this is a community that you want to and you need to be a part of. But I understand if you're a middle schooler or early high schooler, you, you don't drive. Parents, this is a community that your children should be a part of. When you think about your future, these are the kids you want them to be around. Adults, we have a ton of small groups coming up this fall, including some new ones. Uh, one of our best small groups called the Late Night Collective is back. Um, this group meets on Wednesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Um, they're meeting actually at Warehouse Cinemas at the Lounge over there. For the first time ever, we're starting a young adult small group that is for 18 to 30-year-olds. Uh, if you are over 30, you are not young anymore, okay? <laughs> Please don't. I, I know I'm going to get like a 42-year-old that's like, I'm young at heart. You you're not, okay? You should be exercising a lot. You're 40. 
So, so we're starting this group for kids that have graduated out of high school that are trying to find their place. And it's led by one of our younger couples, our leaders here. We have a new group starting in Newmarket. We have a new group starting in Brunswick. Later in the fall, we'll kick back some pop-up collectives, which are groups that are topic-specific. One of those is called Starting Point. This is where if you're new to collective or want to learn more about the history of this church and how to get connected, it's a great way to do that with other people who are new to this church as well. But you have to take that next step. And the same is true for the team. We say this all the time. The collective team is truly the best community we have here at this church. And the reason why is because it's a group of people that come together that have the same goals, the same mission, the same values. And what they do is they create space for other people to experience Jesus. And over the past five years at Collective, we have seen more community develop through people serving side by side with other people because of the amount of time they spent together. And so these are ways that you can lean into this. Now, now let me be clear about this though. Groups and serving teams, they aren't your crew but they will be your community. And if you're part of those communities, there are gonna be people in those groups that you are connecting with, right? People that you enjoy their presence, people that you realize, I think I can trust these people and get closer to these people, but you have to put yourself out there and have them over for dinner, right? You have to put yourself out there and grab coffee with them to intentionally spend time with them to see if they're the type of people that you want in your inner circle. You have to take that step to figure out, are these people that I can trust and be vulnerable with? And are these people I wanna walk alongside life with them? Because Collective can't manufacture 200 hours for you to hang out with someone, but we can do 50. And the rest is up to you. So here's what I wanna finish with today. And this is gonna lead into the next few weeks of this series. It's a little bit of homework. This week, I want you to take the time to wrestle with this question. Based on the hours I spend with people, who is in my crew? Not based on what you think or what you want or what you're telling everybody else it is. Based on the hours I spend with people, who is in my three to five? Because you can't tell me that friend you see once a year is in that circle. You just can't. Now, you can say that they're the type of person that you'd want in your crew, and you can tell me that when you are together, you have these incredible relationships and friendships with them where you can be honest with them and raw and real and talk about the real stuff of life. But if you were spending just a few hours with that person, they are not in your crew. So maybe that means for you, you have to reevaluate some things, and you have to move some people around based on time. But the opposite of that is true as well. If you're spending regular time with someone that you don't really trust because they're a bit of a gossip or you don't feel comfortable being vulnerable with them or every time you leave, you just feel depleted, right? And if you try to tell me that they're in your crowd, even though you're hanging out with this person every week or every other few weeks, the truth is you're just lying to yourself, right? Based on the hours I spend with people, who are my three to five? And I want us to wrestle with that over the next week as we continue in this series. You see, God desperately wants us to be in community. He created us that way. That's why we feel that longing in our hearts when we start a new job or move to a new city or walk into a new church for the first time. It is designed and created in us. But he doesn't want our life to be full of 1,500 acquaintances where the conversations are shallow, where we feel alone, where we don't have people to pick us up when we fall. But in order for us to have the relationships that God has created for us, we have to take the next step. 
We have to choose vulnerability. We have to put ourselves out there. We have to spend less time with people who don't sharpen us and more time with the people that do. We have to find our crew. Let's pray. God, um, for such a simple topic, uh, friendships are hard. It, it is, and it takes time, and it takes vulnerability, it takes intentionality, um, it takes wisdom and discernment to try to find the right people. And so God, as we wrestle with this idea of, of not just living in a space of a crowd or not just living in a space of community, but truly finding those three to five people who, who impact and change our lives for the better, God, I, I pray um, that you lead the way on this for us, that, that you give us the wisdom, that you give us um, the eyes to see who those people are, God, that you give us the courage to take a next step, to put ourselves in a place where we can find those people. God, because we know that we need that in our lives. You designed that in us. You created that in us. So God, help us wrestle with this. Help us um, really audit our relationships right now and the time we spend so that we can uh, find the right three to five people to, to really change our lives. God, we thank you. Uh, for the way that you sent your son, the way that he lived his life, so we can model our lives after that. Um, God, uh, I just pray that you give us the courage to do it. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.